0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for the those songs. And we're definitely going to talk about something this morning that reflects without uh, a doubt the grace uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of our our Father in Heaven who sent His Son for us. Um, grace, of course, meaning unmerited favor. We definitely didn't deserve it, but He's a God of love and mercy and of uh, reconciliation. So... Uh, the whole um, meaning, significance of uh, the birth of Christ. Uh, we're going to kind of look at it uh, from Matthew's perspective in his gospel. So I'm going to have you open up to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to take a peek at at, uh, at that, uh, that chapter. Uh, some of it I'm going to skip through pretty fast, and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, especially that section at the beginning where you have... Uh, names, uh, names and more names and uh, some of them I probably can't even pronounce but I think that we'll get to the, uh, um, the idea of why Matthew um, wrote the genealogy of Jesus keep in mind Matthew is one of the disciples of Jesus that was well educated he was a tax collector and as you know a tax collector has to be somebody that's uh, organized and detailed he has to keep books and records so this is a record, not about taxes, but about the genealogy of Jesus. And the book of Matthew is written to uh, the Jewish uh, community, if you will, the, the Israel. And it's uh, proclaiming that their king had arrived. So keep in mind that what Matthew's trying to do is to stress the fact that their king had arrived. Each gospel has a different theme. This one is about the king has arrived. Amen? Amen. There's royalty involved in this. Um, So he starts off that way. But I want to say something about uh, Christmas for a second. And uh, just briefly, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but the Christmas season, if you would, uh, being in December is not a biblical um, fact. Okay? Um, If you do any kind of Just basic research. You'll find out that there was a Roman festival at this time of the year, the 17th of December, and uh, it was called Saturnalia. Saturn, (laughs) Sinalia. It was a a feast, and I kind of looked it up real quick just to give you a little bit more details, but I wanna stress something. It was uh, a holiday in honor of the God of Saturn. So Saturnalia happened in the Roman, ancient Roman Empire, about the time when we now celebrate Christmas. And it was uh, uh, later expanded to go out the way through 23rd of December. By the way, anybody know what's the shortest day of the year? Well, I only know because it's on my birthday, the 21st of December. So it was the shortest day of the year, which made it the darkest day of the year. And so with their primitive telescopes, they were able to see into the heavens. And, saturn and those planets were more visible to that ancient culture so uh, we know that they had a lot of different um if you would the roman empire they had a lot of different gods in their uh in in their culture later in history uh, as the roman church grew well one of the things that happened is that all of a sudden the message of christmas the birth of Christ was incorporated to that time frame. And then we know that in the western world we're talking about you know Rome we're then looking at Europe. You know Christmas isn't celebrated in Asia maybe somewhat now but not not at the beginning. So it moves across what the pond to the United States and to the new world both the Spanish and the English who and the Portuguese who came uh, to the New World and brought their traditions and customs with them. And now we have all kinds of things associated with Christmas, don't we? All kinds of added things. So as, a, as, as Christians, I think we, and I mentioned this last week, we should have our eyes open because we want to be able to explain to our children uh, how this got incorporated. But here's my argument. It, and no one's taken away Christmas anymore from from the calendar I'm gonna promise you that much Now that's all pretty much commercialized nowadays right it's more about you know selling the last bit of inventory you have and closing the year strong you know I've been I worked in retail all those years and that was a big deal they made most of their money in this last quarter so we can see the commercial aspect of it right the the whole idea of December is not biblical that's what I'm coming around to so, why are we going to talk about it? Well, the fact that it didn't happen in December doesn't mean it didn't happen. The birth of Christ happened. So, we're going to talk about it using the occasion, right? Because it's more important not when it happened, but the fact that it did happen, amen? And that, that's why I'm saying why the nativity matters. The nativity, speaking about the birth of Christ, Okay. So here's the deal, <laughs> I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 1, but I'm only going to look at verse 21 for, the, for, the, for our initial reading and then we'll go into this, what this chapter with some broad strokes at the beginning and then some more detailed attention uh, in the middle of this particular chapter. In verse 21, uh, there is, uh, and you'll see it on your bulletin, uh, the angel uh, who appeared to Joseph in a dream as he struggled about the fact that his soon-to-be wife was mysteriously now pregnant. We've got to put a little bit of flesh and blood on this. <laughs> Mary had gone to see Elizabeth. During, Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. Keep in mind... John the Baptist is six months ahead of Jesus. So there is a way to know kind of within, I would say a month period when actually Christmas happened. I'll get to that later. But because Joseph, uh, rather, um, John the Baptist's father, he was a priest and he served in the temple in the period called Abib. So we know when his calendar, when he was supposed to be in the temple, when he got that vision from God about the fact that Elizabeth was gonna bear a son the what cousin of jesus so we kind of know if we just add nine months roughly about the time when jesus if mary went to full term we kind of know the idea i'm gonna say it (coughs) september oh did i say september anyway we can know because the scriptures reveal certain things we can just add right but here is joseph in this passage that we're reading struggling and just uh, not able to figure out um, what to do about Mary who mysteriously appears to be pregnant and she tells him of course that we'll read more about it that this is something that God did and of course uh, there's so much written about that uh, out of uh, I guess spite to try and dismiss the whole idea that this was a miraculous Conception. Remember, ours is uh, and our God and our our faith is one of miracles. Uh, we there's some things that are just foundational to Christianity. One of them is the birth of Christ. the the uh, The conception of the Holy Spirit that's a miracle. The resurrection is a miracle. The ascension, the whole idea of Christ's return. All of the, we serve a God of miracles, and He lives outside. Of uh, the constraints of time and space right and and material world he's outside of it he created it he, however we, we see him enter into it that that's mind boggling in itself how the God of all creation reduces himself to the uh, infant and he enters our world as a man yet being at the same time simultaneously God he's a God man so all of these things we, d- we can't learn and accept unless we understand that we have a God that's all powerful and that miracles are not a big deal for him. To do that which is beyond the natural and to perform the supernatural which is out beyond the natural. So Joseph is, <laughs> you know, he's, he's perplexed. He wants to respectfully uh, not put Mary uh, to shame and the potential of her being stoned was there because that was the law because she was pregnant out of wedlock. So he's considering these things and it says there in verse 20, I just started a little ahead. He's considering these things and behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So we're going to look at that and a little bit more this morning. Let's pray for the sermon. Amen. Thank you, Father, uh, for this uh um, Passage that we're going to look at this chapter we're going to look at is going to give us a real understanding father at least from the, the perspective of Matthew uh, why the nativity matters why the birth of Christ matters why Christmas is important not so much when it happened but it the fact that it did happen and why the significance of it is uh, changes and transforms our lives. Uh, for eternity so we pray for your help we pray for your blessing guide us lead us protect us in Jesus name amen okay so uh, go ahead and have a seat Uh, we're going to start and you'll see um, if we go back to verse 1 all the way to verse 17 um, (laughs) there's a lot of names there starts off by saying the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ so the genealogy of Jesus Christ every one of us have a genealogy how many of you can go back to great-grandparents you know both sets okay what about great-great-grandparents I've talked to my mom and dad now that they're here with me Uh, you know they can go back to their grandparents would be my great-grandparents. And then after that, it's kind of a little bit shady. I mean, there's not much, not much there. Genealogy of Jesus Christ is really important. And we notice that, and I'm not going to read all these ver- from 1 to 17, every single verse. I'm going to point out some interesting things in it, okay? Because I remember someone asked me recently, where are all those names there? Man, there's just a bunch of names. And some of them, I guess, uh, you know, I can't even pronounce Right? <laughs> some of them are weird. And some of them are known. But this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Notice what Matthew does. He goes to the two most important forefathers for our understanding of the Messiah. And that's the son of David. You remember David? King David? royalty and the son of Abraham the one whose seed would bless all the nations referring to the gospel the gospel referring to the cross and the resurrection the gospel referring to the cross the resurrection and his ascension and soon return the gospel entails all those things death resurrection ascension I'm coming back okay so and then so those two names are important and they're there right there verse 1 that Matthew presents the theme then of this particular book but especially this chapter as Jesus listen carefully Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy and Israel's hope that's what this whole chapter is about especially the first part and you look at genealogy so we go to genealogy we're not talking about Great, uh, grandparents or great grandparents or great great grandparents we're going back if you would uh, look at verse 17 I told you I was going to bounce around a little bit because I'm going to give you the big picture it says so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations and from uh, David to the de- deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, that's 28. And then from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. So 28 and 10 is what? 38 and 4 is 42. 42 generations. How many years is that? Thousands. So 42 generations of names. Wh- why all the names? Uh, Here's the thing I heard from someone. So as a Bible teacher, you'll read somebody that says, man, there's just a lot of names there. And I started looking at it, and I go, yeah. But look at the second verse. Just just touching on some of them, and I'm going to move on. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Hey, we got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know that's important. Look at verse 5. Later down the road of history. And the descendancy of of Jesus. uh, Solomon the father of Boaz. By Rahab. Remember Rahab. The prostitute in Jericho. A Gentile woman who believed. Was spared. When she put the scarlet thread out. If you would rope out the window. Believing that God. Was coming into the promised land. And they had heard about his defeating all the nations of Canaan, she decided to separate herself if by faith, which is how, how we're separated. She's mentioned. And then, of course, if you keep reading, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Remember Ruth? Yeah, there's a good one. I like Ruth. We did a s- series uh, some years ago on the book of Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And who is Jesse? Jesse, the father of David the king. See, how that's important. That David the king is mentioned. Abraham's mentioned okay and then we see uh, we keep reading there right at the end of verse David was the father of Solomon the builder of the temple and then at the end of that little section verse 11 uh, 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 this is this is before these are all the people before they were deported or taken into exile to Babylon so we see a little bit of history kind of aware that's this first 14 gener- uh, people then at uh, verse 12 after the deportation so they come back they come back to the promised land. A Bunch of names in there. Zerubbabel. See it? And then I want to look at the last verse 16. And of course Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary. Of whom Jesus was born who was called the Christ. And then I already read to you verse number 17. About the 14 generations. Right? Why is and why are all these names there? that I can't even pronounce, right? History, it's evidence of God's fulfillment of prophecy. It's proof to the, on record of God's faithfulness to his promises way back, 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 back. Way back to Abraham whom he promised would have a son when he called him out of Ur to go to, the, to a land that he would show him. And that he, his seed referring to Christ according to Paul in Galatians. The seed, singular, referring to Christ. Who would bless all the nations of the earth. Right? God showing us fulfillment of prophecy God's showing us that he wrote history in advance God's telling us if you will if we look at this lineage of Jesus right which is includes all these great men and women of the Old Testament and it brings us to Jesus and we can see that he is uh, by the way Judah's in there too which is interesting Jesus had to be from that tribe because they would hold the scepter. That was promised to Joseph when he blessed all of um, his, his two children that were born in Egypt. Ephraim and Manasseh. Remember he crossed their ha- his hands when he blessed the younger and, and, and took the birthright away from the older. For The Lord spoke to him and said uh, it, it was uh, actually it was Jacob doing it to Joseph's sons. And so what are you, are you saying, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Is it, this is telling us the, the whole the record here is that Jesus is the seed of Abraham in whom all the nations would be blessed. I'll give you the citation, Genesis 12, 3. And Jesus also is the king, the Messiah promised to David. That it, the Messiah would be from the royal line of David. That's 2 Samuel 7, verses 12, 16 i say it again as i know you guys are busy taking notes i can see some of you are really scri- scribbling on there especially in this part where i worked so hard to reduce it to like 10 minutes <laughs> i don't want to read all those names still so uh, 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 jesus is the promised messiah out of david's royal line and why is that important because god told david that he would have a there would be a king to sit on his throne forever Most thrones, you know, we just saw the secession from Queen Elizabeth to Charles. And then Charles is going to pass it on to his son. Um, What's his name again? We forget. We'll know it later when the media doesn't stop for a week showing the coronation. Right? What what are we doing here? What's the whole point of this? The Old Testament had prophecies. God made. Promises that God made. So this first 17 verses in this first chapter, they establish Jesus' claim not only to the throne of David, but it's someone to say, well, wait a minute, Joseph is not even, he's not even really Jesus' father. Yeah, but the Jews had had really strict laws. There was a law of an adoptive father, which had all the equal rights of a legal father, of a physical father. So it's through Joseph that we see the lineage. But if you want to see the lineage through Mary, which he was physically born to, that's in Luke's gospel. But we're not doing Luke today. So if you want to see how Jesus is born through Mary, they both go back to Abraham. They both go back to David. God is faithful. That's the whole point of this genealogy. God wrote history in advance. God is sovereign. He controls everything. The movement of everything. Kingdoms and kings and queens. And also the reason why you see a Rahab. The reason why you see a Ruth. And the reason that you even see scoundrels in the lineage of Jesus. Is because God doesn't pick or didn't make uh, being a risk aristocrat, the, the qualification for the king of, that would soon come, the Messiah. He used common everyday people down the lineage to prove to us that it's all about grace. It's all about his unmerited favor. And that's how I started because of the song that the, the ladies sung up here. It is really about grace. And he's showing us here the record of what he has done None of us were in control of this lineage. Just like not, you weren't in control of yours. You didn't get to pick your father and your mother. Then, in the case with Jesus, the father picked it. And he is in absolute control. So, what is that? what can we take from that as we consider the Why the nativity matters. I don't know about your life. Each and every one of us have. Things in our lives. Dreams in our lives. Plans. Families. Jobs. Health concerns. Financial concerns. Relational concerns. Guess what? If you put your life in God's hands. It's all going to work out. If you're fighting him. You're going to lose. I don't know how many years you want to battle with him. But the thing that I think. If you choose that path you'll regret. And I don't know how many years that vicious cycle will go. You'll, if you ever wake up to the truth. That the best place to be is in God's will. You're going to regret having wasted all those years resisting him. You're going to say. Wow I wasted all those years doing my thing. Which didn't work out. What a waste. I could have been. Deeper into his will and blessings. Because if I don't reduce this to you. If God's able to manage and move nations and. Families, he's not going to have a hard time figuring out how you're going to pay your mortgage. He's not going to have a hard time figuring out <laughs> how you can pay those student loans. In my case, just forever is how I'm paying them. It, it, but I'm paying them. Just taking forever. <laughs> some, I know some of you that went to college, I'm looking at you and you're all going, oh, Lord. He's not going to have a hard time healing you if you need healing directing your path toward a profession or a school that you're hoping to get into man just trust them and we do have to wait sometimes but in this case we see over time God fulfilled his promises so now let's move on to verse 18 get out of those genealogies and it only took me uh, roughly 12 minutes now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. So let's get to the nativity. When his mother Mary had been betrothed. So it's kind of like an engagement um, to Joseph. Uh, more, uh, more of a commitment there than what we have in our culture today. In order to break your betrothment you had to divorce them. But there was a commitment like marriage. But without, con- uh, cons- uh, uh, without the, relation, uh, the intimate relationship. The consummation if you would of the marriage. That's why she was a virgin still. But she still had the same commitment based on Jewish law. I'm just taking all this information and reducing it for you. And so she is betrothed. Kind of like an engagement. Before they came together. Notice it mentions that. She was a virgin. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And that's where a lot of people just drop off. Wait a minute. She was found to be with child. Before they came together. Some commentaries that I read. There's just some wild and fallacious ideas about she was impregnated by a Roman soldier. Something happened there and of course the shame of it all and everybody kept quiet. But that's not true. That's not what the biblical record says. They did not go, come together because you will see later in the same passage that Joseph was an honorable man. A law abiding man. So he wasn't, it was as says here and one of the most, uh, if you would amazing events of history was a virgin woman is found with a child and it's the work of the Holy Spirit so some people get a little bit bothered by that that's not possible how can that happen there's got to be a man and a woman and you know takes two to tango and so on and so forth well I don't know God spoke according to uh, Genesis and the universe leapt into existence out of nothing. That's what we believe. You explain to me then, uh, if you happen to not believe in creation, where everything came from and you won't be able to. Everything has a beginning. Everything, ha- everything is, has a creator. It would be like you going to a very, very nice restaurant. Right? Right? And enjoying a fantastic meal. I mean everything was just so tasty. And so delicious. And the steak was tender. And the seasoning was amazing. And those little funny carrots they put on there. The, the buttery and, uh, and garlicky. And you're just like oh man. That was so good. And then not to appreciate the fact that there was a chef involved. Would be equivalent to you not appreciating the fact when you look at all the universe that there's a creator involved. But possible you've blinded or been blinded or hardened to believe a lie. You cannot look at this universe and not conclude there is a divine power behind it. You have to take the time to look at it. And everything else is a theory and it would take more faith to believe those theories than it does just to believe the facts in front of your eyes. So anyway, that's what happened here. So how do you explain that? It's a miracle. And I move on to the next verse. It's a miracle. God operated a miracle. By the way, that was promised in Isaiah seven fourteen, That a virgin would conceive a child. 800 years before it happened. It's a picture of God being able to do that which is impossible. Because that's what was said in Luke's gospel when this whole issue was brought up. For God, nothing shall be impossible. That's what we're here believing, right? With God, nothing is impossible. So the conception of Mary by the Holy Spirit is that which God does it's impossible for man to do. Okay, and that, so we move on. That's that's a simple faith acceptance by faith uh, concept. I don't have to understand it all. I have to see what God's word says and believe it. Because heaven and earth will pass away one day. All of earth and all of heaven and everything contained in it. Even the books with all their theories will one day be burned but God's word is established in heaven forever. That's that's what that's why uh this is important. That is the nativity. So and th- her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly, didn't want to make a big deal out of it. He's not going on Jerry Springer to announce that he's divorcing her, right? And then he says As he considered these things. We read this already. Behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying. Joseph son of David do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. But that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Second time mentioned. And she shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Jesus. This son that she's going to bear. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus Jesus uh, transliterates the Greek, and let me see if I can say this right, Iyashush. That's the Greek, Iyashush, for Jesus. So English is Jesus. The Greek was Iyashush. By the way, the same name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is Jehovah is salvation, or Jehovah Ashwa, condensed down to Joshua. What means what? Jehovah is salvation. Jesus name means salvation. In other words, the king announced by Matthew of the universe is given the name Savior. Savior of what? Save he will save his people from their sins. You can't get away from the, that message. We need to acknowledge our sinfulness, our sins. You can't take a step toward Jesus unless you understand your fallen condition. Alright? He will save the people from their sins. Jesus' name is important. And we look at the birth of the nativity and why it matters. He's our Savior. Now all this took place, verse 22, to fulfill. Notice again the fulfillment of Scripture. What the Lord had spoken by the prophets. What prophets? The Old Testament prophets. Again, this is a reference to Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So he has many names, or we could easily say called titles. Because the name defines something. Vocabulary actually is important. Words are actually important. No, we don't get to reinvent what they mean. They mean what they originally meant. And why they were assigned and tagged. Savior, Jehovah, Jesus. That's what it means. Emmanuel means, again, it says here, God with us. So now we move into a new territory. Not only on the miracle of the Holy Spirit conception of of Mary, the virgin. One miracle. Now we go into the whole theological concept of the incarnation. God with us. And I'm going to say this to emphasize literally. Not God's with you. Hey, I'm with you in spirit. You know. You're in my heart. No. He is with us. Emmanuel. He left his throne in heaven according to the Philippians. Considered it not robbery to be equal with God. And he reduced himself in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And was born a babe in a manger. Became a man. <coughs> Excuse me. So. If we know a little bit about the The scriptures. In John's Gospel, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, referring to the Word, God's Word, became flesh. The Word dwelt among us is the word tabernacle. That concept comes from the Old Testament. Remember the tabernacle? Remember when they were in the, in the wilderness and the Shekinah glory of God followed them by night and a cloud by day to protect them. The presence of God was in that tabernacle. God tabernacled among his people Israel. And now he literally is in the person of Jesus. So you can say that Jesus took upon himself a tent of human flesh. A tabernacle is a tent. He tented himself, the God of this universe, in the human body. The babe in Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem. That's what it means. Tabernacle among them. This is the part that I love because I try to find ways, if you forgive me, to try and relay this to you so we can understand what the Incarnation is. It's that the Creator Himself, existing outside of time and space in the material world, physical world. Isn't it interesting that time, space, and material are, ch- have a trinity of, of idea behind them. Time has what? Past, present, future. Space has what? Height, width, and length. What about material? Same thing. You can material can be formed in three things, right? It can be solid, it could be vapor, or it could be uh, a, 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 ga- a gas, right? And then it could be sol- uh, uh, wait, what's the third one? Um, I'm I'm done. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the whole idea and creation of uh, material world is everything's in, uh, in uh, design and. As a trinity. And so the second person of the trinity. Jesus. He enters into the creation that he made. As a person. That's kind of crazy. Just wrap your mind around that. Why would he do such a thing? Because he came to visit us. Literally. He made an appointment with humanity. That is God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. The invisible one became visible. The, the one that was distant because of our sins drew near to us. He walked the s- dusty roads of Judea among his own people. Thus, Emmanuel, God with us. Right? It, he, he joined the human league. Can you imagine if he was uh, on the opposing team at the World Cup? the kind of goals he could kick he did stuff like that all around Judea when it came to healing when it came to preaching when it came to demonstrating his power when he fed the 5,000 he was constantly doing miracles right you could say uh, and again let me try and and if I'm boring you I'm sorry but but I want us to sink in he made a a house call he visited us. He made an appointment. So what, what the nativity uh, is and the significance of it and why it matters, that's kind of what we're trying to argue about today, is that the nativity it speaks to us about God's joining us, about God's union with us, about God's participation with us, right? How he, in spite of our sins, through his son, associates with us, fellowships with us, right? God with us. That's the, that's the, that's the meaning of, of, of the, the nativity. He came to seek and to save that which he had lost. He could have just left us lost and we would have been doomed because of sin. So God sends his son into the world as a baby who grows up to be a man so that he can, through the cross, reconcile us and redeem us. That is, he buys us back out of the household of slavery, the sin uh, caused we who were once separated and excluded and far from God because, of, again, of our sins have been brought near to Christ, by Christ because he came to die for us. That's what it means. He, he, he was born to die. He became the Lamb of God as he was identified by John the Baptist when he walked alongside the Jordan River. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Right? Right? so it goes hand in hand at the beginning of matthew's gospel that we find his name is emmanuel god with us and at the end of matthew's gospel verse uh, 20 and chapter 28 it says this remember behold i am with you every day until the end of the world he's with us in his birth he's with us here physically he tabernacled he tented among us and at the end of the gospel after his death after his resurrection after his ascension and his promise to come back he says I'm going to be with you believers always and then we get to spend eternity with them so I think it's cool God with us uh, Matthew 8 uh, 31 says if God is for us who will be against us So I'll take it a little further. Not only is he with us, he's for us. Take it a little notch up. Right? The nativity matters because God is with us and God is for us. He can relate to us. Why? Because he became one of us. He knew what it was like to have the flu, to cough, to feel pain. To be hungry, to be thirsty, to be lonely, to be hurt, to be ab- abandoned, to be betrayed. He knows all those things. So you can go to him and when you speak to him because he sits at the right hand of the Father now as our intercessor, you can tell him all you need to do and he's the only one who can say, I understand. That's what it matters, the nativity. Amen? So... I finish with this. If God is with us, when is he with us? Always, including our loneliness, our pain, our need, our disease, our tribulation. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And then verse 24. Let's see how I'm doing here. Actually, I'm doing pretty good. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper. When Joseph woke from his from sleep, as did uh he did as the angel of the lord commanded him he took his wife he didn't put her away privately or shame her he is. A, this is a good guy that's the kind of guy you want to find that doesn't shame you doesn't belittle you or berate you doesn't look for ways to put you away He was going to do it it at first because he was going to do it, but he was going to do it privately. That even shows you how good a guy he was. There's some good guys out there. I just want you to know that, ladies. There's some good guys out there. You just got to find them. The Lord commanded him, he took his wife. He knew her not, which means there were no uh, intimate relations, until she had given birth to a son, and then love how it ends. And it fulfills what the angel said. And he called his name Jesus. Iyasus. Yeshua. <laughs> There's all these languages. Yeshua. Jehovah. Ashua. God is salvation. That's our message. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. We praise you, Lord, for this amazing story, which I pray, Lord, we all accept and believe for our own benefit and blessing, which leads us to salvation, to Christ, and eternal life. All your promises are ours. We can lean into you, Lord, and trust you in this life, which sometimes has uh, bumpy roads and darkness. But you're the light, uh, uh, Lord of the world, and w- in you we trust. Uh, we don't want to oversimplify, but at the same time, that's what faith does. It, it, it allows us, Lord, to stop asking questions, to see clearly and plainly what is evident. And in your word, this is what you share with us this morning. We thank you for Matthew's account uh, of the birth of Jesus, the nativity. We ask you to bless our, uh, our, our time, Lord, and now as we uh, take th- um, the Lord's Supper and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, so we're going to shift our activity to the Lord's Supper. So I guess who's going to help me out here? Sammy, and who else wants to help out? I got guys back there. got. Oh, here comes Osvaldo. Okay, cool. So... Um, have them help us out here. They're going to remove the cloth and just set it to the side. Now let's prepare our hearts, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Just set that to the f- side. Before they do anything, let's talk a little bit about what we're doing. Who we can stay here? I guess don't go too far so there's two parts I'm not even gonna read from the scriptures we've done this enough we know what's happening there's the bread and there's uh, the cup uh, the wine Two two elements we'll do that in a minute after the Jesus uh, when he celebrated the Passover that night that he was betrayed Took bread and he said that it was his body, which was figurative of the sacrifice he was getting ready to make by turning his body in sacrificially to Calvary's cross. And he wants us to remember that. So the act of sacrificial love is what he wants us to remember. And then uh, they took the bread, he broke it symbolically also because his body was broken at Calvary's cross. And then he refers to the cup as the new covenant, um, and they drank it. Um, the cup uh, and the wine as a symbol of his shed blood, which goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and really all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the fall. Remember when, after Adam and Eve had uh, partaken of the forbidden fruit, uh, they their eyes were opened; they became aware of their sin. And then they tried to hide first. And then because God came in the evening to speak to them every evening. uh, When he showed up he couldn't find them. And they were uh, asked where are you. And they showed up wearing fig leaves. Because what were they doing covering their sin. The Lord had to teach them. By bringing skins of an animal. That their covering wasn't sufficient. That he would have to cover them. And how did he cover them. With the skins of innocent animals that were offered in sacrifice for their s- payment of their sins. Always has to be a payment. In this case the Lord shows us that from the very beginning. We see it through the whole Old Testament. We see it in the sacrifices that were done by the founding uh, father of faith. Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob which we talked about. They made altars to God. They offered sacrifices. That's the way to approach God. That's the only way to approach God. And we approach God in the same way through the shed blood of Jesus which is the payment of the redemptive value of his death to save us from and to forgive us of our sins so we're going to take both t- together so we'll 'll t- pass out first the bread and we'll have Sam and Osvaldo help us out let's just think about the Lord right now and what he did for us as they pass it out go ahead All right, so let's all lift up the what symbolizes the bread, the body of Christ, and say, Thank you, Jesus, for your loving sacrifice. And let's take it together. find it interesting that the process of making bread even demonstrates how Jesus was crushed because grain is crushed right mixed and then put in the oven talk about going through a pat- suffering or talk about breaking that, that's the process to make bread and he did say also that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so uh, reference is that there's a bread that comes there's a there's food that comes spiritually speaking from God and that's his word and then he becomes and his body represents all of that and that isn't that kind of cool now we're going to take the cup so I'll have them pass that out right now let's think about uh, his sacrifice in a little more detail in that his blood was shed his life was shed for on our uh, behalf to let sammy serve you you and you serve sammy okay, right there there's a little picture there too of how, why we do it this way who served the disciples that night jesus okay so um i was trying to show these guys that uh, take it from the other person share it jesus served his disciples remember that uh, it was a passover but you have to go all the way back to Exodus uh, well the Exodus from Egypt and there was that final plague because Pharaoh was so stubborn and hard-hearted that he said I'll, I'll take your firstborn as a as a judgment for not obeying the Lord and letting Israel leave back you know because God was taking them back to the promised land and so he instructed all of Israel to take a lamb after 14 days and to offer it sacrificially and then to put the blood on the doorposts wherever the blood was seen the angel would pass over that's why it's called Passover and everyone in that home that accepted God's faithful words would be spared well when we take the blood when I say blood I mean when we look at the Sacrifice of Jesus and his shed blood and we take the cup which is figurative of his shed blood we too are covered by Jesus so when judgment day comes the Lord will pass over us there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ why because of the value of the life that Jesus gave the payment so say thank you Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. in Jesus name. Heavenly Father thank you uh, this morning for um, remembering allowing us to remember uh, what Jesus did at Calvary's cross for us. Thank you for his commitment Lord to the plan of salvation which required a payment for sin. Thank you because he turned himself in willingly as the Lamb of God once and for all and by his shed blood we have this new covenant that if we agree with it since you offer it if we agree with it by faith we too are forgiven and we thank you for that and we thank you for Jesus we thank you for each and every one of the families represented here today each and every one of us individually and uh, collectively as a church bless crosspoint community church bless each family right now i pray lord in jesus name amen